coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. It felt right. There was, there was enough going on, and maybe I'm pig-headed enough to understand that there was some opportunity there. And then, this is the first, I'm an entrepreneurial sort of mindset in almost everything I do. The difference in this company than what I've done in the past was I actually shared it with people. I, I didn't keep it to my chest. I didn't try to figure out how to make it perfect before I presented it to the world. After years of teaching business and entrepreneurship, I found that when guest speakers revealed the hardships and mistakes made throughout their professional and personal lives, it resonated with my students. That's when I thought, why not share these stories so that other entrepreneurs have access to the same insights for education and inspiration. I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. On this episode, we speak with the founder of Boxman Studios, David Campbell. Boxman Studios is an experience-based brand who designs, fabricates, and activates modified shipping containers and purpose-built module structures for food service, experiential marketing, and retail. They've built iconic structures for clients including Chick-fil-A, Adidas, Porsche, Under Armour, Cliff Bar, and Facebook. Thank you very much for being here, David. Thank you for having me. Shipping containers. What gets you into the shipping container industry and says, you know what, this would be a great shop? I usually joke it's a lot of drugs, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the reality is uh, I had a real estate development company back in, in I guess from 04 to 07. If you remember, 07 mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of fun in the real property world, and uh, I didn't know what to do. So I could either, at that point, live on what I had and hope the world changed or make a change in, in my life. And uh, fortunately, back then, I saw 10 images. It was on a homepage, if you remember when we had homepages. Yeah. Uh, it was msn.com, and there was images of shipping containers that had been modified for a number of different uses. Most of them were housing, but one was a, was a coffee shop. And uh, I thought, well, maybe that, that could be an interesting opportunity. We could build things that are mobile or migratory, and then ultimately when the economy changes, I could take them and go to other places. At that same time, I was down in the Keys, uh, and uh, there was this amazing raw bar out of a tent in a marina that was packed. So the middle of the recession, people were drinking beer and eating oysters, and I was like, huh, th- there are ways to make money. And uh, I turned to my wife at that time and I said, what do you think? We build a raw bar out of a shipping container and live in Charleston for the summer and move to Florida for the winter and hang out for a while. And lo and behold, even with two small kids, she was like, yeah, give it a shot. And uh, the, the reality is, after a number of different gestations and iterations, Boxman Studios was born about, about four months later. Well, I want to even go back a little bit. So you get your first container. My, my question really would be like, how do you go about buying a container? But sure. you said you had one donated. How, how does that come to fruition? <laughs> Fortunately, in the development world, I uh, had a number of contractor relationships. They were laying people off. Uh, and one of my good friends ultimately had an, an old container he was using for, for storage and a, and a gentleman uh, that he was getting ready to, to furlough. And I said, well, I'll take him and let's see if the two of us can try to figure out how to make this work. Which oddly enough, because this industry actually is, is I, I would like to say exploding. Yeah. I mean, not just with your company, but you've seen it in apartment buildings yeah. globally. But at this point, those containers were kind of considered garbage. Absolutely. The first container we bought was eight hundred dollars. It was um, it was absolutely uh, garbage in that sense. It, it, we were such an importing nation at that point, with no ability to export because of the economy, that people didn't know what to do with them. And uh, you know, now we, we pay much more for containers than that because of of a, of a fairer market. But the reality is that yes, we were taking a, a, a product that was that had a zero useful life, uh, barring maybe some storage, but 
Um, there was a surplus there as well. I'm trying to modify it to, to a better use. Explain getting into that first container. I'm I can imagine the smell, the the dankiness of it. I mean, after traveling with God knows what was in it, I'm sure the system is much more uh, proficient at this point. But I'm sure at one point you walk into this container and think, "What the hell am I thinking?" As it relates to that first container, I, I, it's funny I haven't thought about it in a long time. But yeah, the floor was rotted out. It was it was really. Uh, useless except for maybe uh, to let some things live in it so uh, it, it's it's interesting um, there, there's I haven't thought back to that point in a long time but sitting in that field and trying to figure out how to not kill ourselves as metal right. was flying and torches were burning it it was a it was an interesting time right because because I imagine and, and this happens to all of us we, we get into that situation you're like what was I thinking? This is this is a bad idea. And there's times, there, a lot of people, that's where they pack their bags and go home. What made you keep going? I, I got to tell you, seeing animals have chewed through something, I'm, I'm already <laughs> out. You're, you're yeah, not, you're yeah. it, uh, it felt right. There was there was enough going on, and maybe I'm pig-headed enough to understand that there was some opportunity there. And then this is the first, I'm an entrepreneurial sort of mindset in almost everything I do. The difference in this company than what I've done in the past was I actually shared it with people. I didn't keep it to my chest. I didn't try to figure out how to make it perfect before I presented it to the world. I really said, we're just walking down this path. If you want to come help, help. If you want to figure out and put your two cents in, put your two cents in. But but it was really a collaborative effort. And and the reason was there wasn't an absolute path. There was no book that we were following that allowed us to do you know A and then B and then we get to ultimately C if we do some sort of secondary action. It was... I don't really know where we're going, but this is where I'm going. And uh, and there was enough, I would call it assurances, that people were like, oh my God, that's cool. Or, hey, can I invest? Or, you know, how do I be a part of it? That, that allowed me to keep moving. And, and uh, in full transparency, what I agreed originally to invest in this became, you know, a, a serious multiplier of that under the concept of feeding the beast. I mean, it, it, anybody who enters into an entrepreneurial endeavor and thinks that they have a finite amount of capital is, is in a lot of trouble because it, it starts to hamper the decisions you make and the willingness to put it all in again and again and again because it never happens what you plan it. I'm assuming your biggest cost after the first crate is donated is buying the next crate in the next crate. Yeah, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the percentages of where the where money went, but labor was a huge portion of what we're doing. Um, I'm assuming I mean, pulling a ton of subs. Or? Uh, you know, we we actually uh, did a lot our, ourselves. We, we prided ourselves on building the, the the sub companies within Boxman Studios to do the action. So unlike a typical private equity model, which is outsource, outsource right. everything, we took it in house and we. Um, Although our original designers weren't in-house, they, they were pretty much full-time with us. Our fabricators were absolutely full-time. Fabricator happened to be able to drive a truck, so ultimately when we bought trucks, he was able to drive trucks. So, so we were looking for those, uh, we'll call them utility knives, of people that were allowing us to help move forward. Now, were they great at everything? No, but they were willing to give it a shot, and we were okay to patch it together and, and put in those people that allowed us to, to round out that team. Instead of reselling containers, you're more of a design consulting 
firm than that? How does that start playing out? So we, we took the position that we're not pushing widgets. We, we're coming to the conversation where we're trying to solve solutions or solve problems uh, for our clients. Now, our clients may not know what their problems are, and, and that's very often in those early days we were, we were helping them navigate. Right, they're coming to you for the widget, actually, at first. Uh, there was enough of a differentiator for what we were doing versus what the marketplace was offering that it would ultimately spur the conversation. We were, were arguably one of the first companies out there uh, with social media presence because the company was changing so dramatically, so quickly, that there was no reason to do print media or anything that was very stoic or standard. Right. So we, we took the, the concept of educating our clients on what the possibilities were and then, and then starting that conversation to see where we could take that conversation. A lot of companies that are even in that next phase, how do you go about educating the public or potential clients in your market? I can guarantee you 10 years ago, people did not know they needed a shipping container in their life and modified or otherwise. Like it wasn't, not even on their spectrum. For us, it was through Rending's concepts, ideas, conversations, and then ultimately a number of organizations that just trusted us and really just came down to the pure, uh, depending on where you believe on the, on, the, on the bell curve, the early adopters, those people that are looking for that new concept, that differentiator to help uh, delineate what they're doing versus what the marketplace is. And we were the answer. So on top of that, the other the piece that we haven't even talked about um, is the environmental uh, benefit from recycling these containers rather than them ending up God knows where. We've never preached that we're a green organization. We've always taken a look at it as, as the position of the organization is to do the next right thing. The reason is that I never wanted to get into a tete-a-tete -tete with somebody as to saying whether or not acetylene that I'm using in my welding torches is environmentally friendly or not. I run a trucking company. I don't run it on biodiesel because I can't economically to do that and provide a product for my clients. In that spectrum, in that green spectrum, it is, it is so divergent as to what the expectations of that clientele are. Yes, the repurposing of a container is a, a repurpose or an upscale action. But there's other things that we're doing there that may not be. Right. Uh, and, and that's the discussion is that we have with our client. How far on the spectrum do you want to go? And we can have that discussion as to the materials and the right. intents behind what we do. Oddly enough, I remember when first hearing about your company and starting to do my research, I really thought it was going to be this tree hugger, we're saving the world, we're doing this. And I remember going through your website saying, they're barely talking about the, because there are definite environmental benefits from Absolutely. this. For us, it was just do the next right thing. Right. It, 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 there was so much noise in that green sector at that point. We were doing a number of West Coast conferences just as, as exhibitors at the behest of the, the conference. So I was in those conversations, but but I also saw where the, the conversation was potentially going. And, and running an organization, I had to make sure that I could get there in the timeline that I needed to get there to justify that action, right? So I didn't want to overpromise anything. I didn't want to, to commit something that we couldn't fulfill on. We just continued to try to do the next thing. And it, it's, it's worked out. It's interesting who, who um, allocates what we do to a green endeavor, who thinks it is just the right thing. Because there's a cool factor as well. There is. There is a, uh, an industrial chic uh, yeah. or, or um, architecturally significant portion of what we do. Uh, there's a functionality portion of what we do. Uh, we're, we, we pride ourselves on the concept of kinetic architecture, which is uh, a structure for us that, that, that is 
created in a location, able to be relocated to a secondary location or a tertiary location, typically transforms in some capacity to create a greater entity um, and utilizes the negative space in and around those entities to create an even greater entity. We call that third place making. You may have heard of the concept called third place. Our job is to try to figure out how to make those places where communities can come together. Let's talk about getting out there to the first client. So you're out there, you have your donated container at this point. How long does it take to get to that first customer? Always longer than you expect. Right. It, 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 especially when you're when you're not going toe-to-toe -to -toe in an industry that you're just trying to move the needle a little bit. When you're truly changing the way people are doing business, with the type of organizations that we were operating with, uh, it, it, it took longer than expected. Full transparency. So although I mentioned Red Bull earlier, they weren't our first client. They did become a client, right. but NOS Energy was our first client, and it was based on somebody who was on the cutting edge of what they believed to be space. Uh, they were working with NOS Energy, and it it, uh, it came out of uh, an event we had, 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 uh, had put on ourselves at, in the NASCAR world, and he just said, I got to do this, and um, it, it happened. By then you start getting Red Bull. How do you get the attention of Cliff Bar? and Facebook. <laughs> we, we fortunately have three to 11 inbound requests a day. So it's kind of surreal when you look at um, typical marketing efforts. Our intent is to put out uh, quality content that allows people to, to be intrigued enough that, to pick up the phone and call us and see if we're a, a viable suitor. Now, of those three to 10, it could be a $10,000 house and it could be a, a $2 million you know, retail environment. It, um, it really depends, and our job is to narrow those down to figure out what clients we truly can help. So, uh, the, the key to that, in my opinion, is, is, is absolute transparency and education. So, if I can put out enough information that allows you to become an educated consumer, picking up that phone is that much easier when you're starting a conversation on something you don't even know you want to talk about. It's, it's uncomfortable to pick up the phone and say, hey, tell me about it. I don't know anything about it, for most people. But if you come in a little bit, it helps a lot. So, so with your background with real estate development, yeah. um, I'm assuming how much of that, I know some of those skills are transferable, but I'm sure your, your sales cycle differs a lot from how you did it as real, you know, at some point the argument can be made is I need some space. You're going to get me some space. You're a real estate developer, but again, you're a service company that, that sells creative designs for that office space. So when do you, when do you, how do you make that transition and, and use the, the skills that are needed, but also kind of, you're like, I'm not used to selling in this manner. Any leadership position has to continue to expand their abilities and their understanding of how they can help lead other people. Absolutely, I came to Boxman Studios with a, a very uh, casual understanding of what it constitutes to be a CEO. In my former life, I outsourced architects and engineers and contractors, and I was somewhat the puppet master of, of those actions. That's not a CEO, in my opinion. And, and it took me years to work on my craft. I still work on my craft every day. That's what it means to be a leader of an organization. So how do you transition from what you know to what you don't know right. personally? Right? Yeah. And for me, that's, that's surrounding yourself with the people that can help influence you and, and speak to you as frankly as you need to be uh, to help you see the next opportunity. Because I could sit here and bounce things between my ears all day long and come up with a solution that, that 
that it is that comes from the influences that have influenced my life to date, or I can go out there and find other influences that may be able to bring a different variable that allows me to expand my understanding. Many of the concepts you're talking we're talking about today are not you know, obtuse concepts. They're, they're just packaged in some linear form that has worked for Boxman Studios. Well, I've talked with some of the other entrepreneurs that have come in here. Family dynamic that comes in because you're managing and combining both at the same time. Oh, absolutely. So my wife doesn't work in the business, but she's obviously an owner of the business. The support network that you have both in the organization as well as in your personal life is paramount. If I, I couldn't imagine if I was coming home after 12, 14, 16 hours or at two o'clock in the morning as we've, we've talked to them before, yeah. had an additional pressure. Like, like I, I'm not doing that just because I need to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm doing that because I need to do that for that business. And, and uh, the support that, that, that I have received is, is insurmountable. And I can't even quantify how much that's been as it relates to the success of Oxman Studios. What, what keeps you putting in the, the, the things that we complain about? Yeah. What keeps you showing up day after day? For many leaders, it's absolute. It's this, this is what my purpose is and my goal is. Uh, if I tried to simplify that for this conversation, I would simplify it to a simple word, which I, I call betterment. And, and I joke that that's a Walmart word. And, and, and it, the way I describe betterment is improvement through change, not through maintenance. So for me, I'm looking for that conversation that's allowing me to figure out that next level of change in my life, and then ultimately what I can share with others as it relates to being able to change their life. So for me, Boxman Studios is been a great success, a marginal success, whatever scale you want to consider it on, it, it's, it is what it is. The, the reality is there's been a number of employees that are with me and have been with me for years. It's a number that have come through for short periods of time. And for me, one of the most prideful situations is when somebody comes back and says, hey David, when we talked about this, I used this in this other business meeting. Or I've had people say, I talked to my wife differently than I talked to her before uh, I worked at Boxman Studios. Or I'm, I'm influencing my kids to do something different because of principles or concepts that we've, we've imbued at Boxman Studios. That change concept is, is, is not just as it relates to modifying containers or purpose-built structures or the way we run a business. It's really about how we ultimately interact as a group. Because, let's get a little deeper, but I have a belief that a community is two or more people for a common goal. So we've created a community today, and, and what comes out of this community, we don't know, right? You and I could, could come up with some great idea sitting at this table. But, but really what's powerful is that you're going to go back to your community, and I'm going to go back to my community, and I'm going to tell people about CAS, and I'm going to influence that. Or the thing that we're doing today will influence the students, right. and they can ultimately go out and influence their communities. So imagine it's social media on real time or real life, uh, but it's that concentric circle approach to what we're trying to accomplish. And if we're continually trying to accomplish something that's better or are under betterment, then, then I believe that we can do some good. When you meet other entrepreneurs, the amount of help they got from other entrepreneurs, it's... Let me jump in and help you right away. Here's who you need to talk to. This is what you need. Absolutely. But, but you have to be active, right? Like you can sit there and be passive about what it is that, that, that you're expecting the world to come to you or you can go out there and ask for that conversation, right? right? Uh, and, and what I believe I did differently with Box of Studios than I did with other organizations was I just opened it up. And, and somebody's going to go out there and do that and somebody's going to steal their patent, whatever it is, and they're going to call me and yell at me. But... but but I would argue that, that if we just keep doing the right thing and run faster than the next guy, then we'll continue to win. Right. I, I could sit there and go look in the rearview mirror and try to defend left and right, or just keep moving forward. Running this organization is not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. And uh, yes, there's maybe perceived glory associated with it, but the reality is those, those are few and far in between. 
you're reaching right around the 10 year mark for Boxman Studios. Where are you in the next five years? At Boxman Studios, we have something called the highway and the highway is, uh, comes off of, uh, of a poem that's titled The Dash. And I would encourage your, your students to go read The Dash. But the, the simple concept of the poem is that at the end of your life, uh, on your tombstone, you have your name, your birth date, your death date, and everything else that's on that is your dash between those two numbers. So, so the compilation of what you've done is, is, is minimized to a dash. We've taken that concept and we've, we've expanded it to a road analogy um, and the, the dashes that are in the highway. The highway is coming out for the next three years. I don't believe I can see five years out. Uh, but what we're, we're committing to do is, is publish our highway. Uh, how many lanes that is, how many breakdown lanes, how many on-ramps, off-ramps, how curvy it is, uphill, downhill, what have you. That is what we're looking to do before December of this year to be shared. Because just like we said before, we have to be public with what we were, or what our commitments are. We don't know where the next great idea is gonna come from or the next person that's gonna be able to help us. But as a general principle, our intent is to, to continue to define the way that space is, is created, be active members in that conversation because we believe there's a transition in, in the way uh, space is, is not only created but occupied, uh, and then ultimately create an organization that's allowing uh, the opportunity for betterment to, to take place, the opportunity for change to happen, whether or not it's drastic or subtle. Well, thank you so much. I wish your boxman nothing but the best, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Education or visit influencingentrepreneurs.com to catch up on previous episodes with Casimir Ward.